Welcome back to the show. My guests are Linda Trinvo and Tramle, director and associate director, respectively, of the Vietnamese American Oral History Project, launched in 2011. Dr. Linda Trinvo is professor in the Department of Asian American Studies at UCI and is affiliated with the Departments of Sociology, Department Planning, Policy, and Design, Department of Gender and Sexuality Studies. She completed both her undergraduate and PhD degrees from the University of California, San Diego. She is the author of Mobilizing an Asian American Community and the co-editor of three books, Labor Versus Empire, Race, Gender, and Migration, Asian American Women, The Frontiers Reader, and Contemporary Asian American Communities, Intersections and Divergences. Recently, she's co-authored Vietnamese in Orange County. We'll talk about that book and where you can get your copy by the end of the interview. She's also an ambassador to the UCI Library Southeast Asian Archive. Dr. Vo is president of the National Association for Asian American Studies and serves on the advisory board of the Vietnamese American Arts and Letters Association, Diasporic Vietnamese Arts Network, and Vietnamese American Heritage Foundation, as well as being involved with the Viet Film Fest. My other guest is Tram Le, who previously served as the interim director of the Center for Asian Pacific American Studies at Pitzer College there in Claremont, and worked as a Community Bridges Program Manager for the Ford Theaters Foundation. She earned her BA in Business Administration Marketing from Cal State University Northridge and her master's from the Department of Asian American Studies at UCLA. Her master's thesis, Finding Home, investigates the journey of first-generation Vietnamese in Orange County through oral history and performance. She co-founded the Club of Noodles, you, you heard me right, Club O Noodles, mm-hmm. a pioneering Vietnamese American theater troupe and as a board of uh, the board member of the American Arts and Letters Association. She's curated multi-art exhibitions, and in 2003, she was the founding director of the Biennial Vietnamese International Film Fest. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that Linda Vo is also involved with the Viet Film Fest, which has been hosted at UC Irvine and UCLA and showcases and films around the world. Linda Vo has, over the years, contributed generously toward my coverage of allied topics, so it is a pleasure, finally, to get to interview her and to have her co-curator for this exhibit, Tram, in studio today. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Linda Vo and Tramley. Oh, good morning, Claudia. Thank you for having us here, and good morning to the KUCI listeners. Yeah, good morning. We love being here. Thank you so much. Well, congratulations on an edifying, hands-on, vivid, beautiful, and a memorable exhibition. This, folks, uh, just just to post you now, you've got until the end of February of next year to get there. As I congratulate you, it's a, it's remarkable. The, the gathering on last Saturday, you had both the artifacts and the contributors, the people there. Did you know, Linda, when you were collecting histories, oh, Trump too, when you were collecting histories that you were headed for this type of exhibition? We had a very small goal and a modest goal just to put together um, an exhibit of the materials that we've been collecting over the years and the oral histories and share the stories. We had no idea really how big this exhibition would be because we had such a limited time. We only had um, since last November, November 2014, when we initially met with OC Parks, and they were interested in doing an exhibition to showcase the diversity of Orange County. And we were looking for a space in Orange County to do an exhibition. So really, it's been in the last four months where we, after our teaching load, where we can really, really focus on the exhibition. 
So it's pretty uncanny. You had two very willing, very well uh, fitting parts here that could put that together then in such a short time. That, that must have been the magic recipe. Then. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of, the last three or four months, Jam and I have not had much sleep no. <laughs> to okay. get, uh, to put the exhibition together, and we worked with an excellent team. Um, we had a graphic designer, James Din, and we worked with a featured artist, Trin Mai, who did, those two individuals did an amazing job, as well as our other team members, to put together an exhibition that told, it really is a combination of three exhibitions in one. It's a history exhibition, it's an oral history exhibition, and an art exhibition as well. And we wanted to do it in a way that was reachable and different generations and different communities could connect to it. Um, and so aesthetically, we had a, ver a vision for how we wanted to put together. We weren't sure what it would look like, but trying to integrate those kinds of themes together in uh, a space that is uh, approachable to young children, uh, high school kids, college kids, and adults as well was really our objective. Amen. And you uh, put together those, those beautiful profiles that, that, that you're hanging in the main gallery of this exhibition. So you, we have... We have a blue collar. We have a white collar. We have an artist. We have sort of lot. You've represented very well a, a large sort of range of kinds of uh, vocational backgrounds kind of thing, even though it, it, it was uncanny as people are speaking at the platform, at the podium. Everybody is 40 years plus what they were, what the age where they were when they left pretty much cause from 75 since it was 40 years ago. Mm. So, Trom, what, um, what were you going to add to that? It definitely was our goal to show to showcase the diversity in the Vietnamese American community. A lot of times, generally speaking, only a very narrow perspective is presented, either in history books or just different whatever you grew up with. That's the narrative that you know. But as this exhibition shows, it, people come from they came in 1975. They came after that by boat in the late 70s, early 80s all the way to the 90s. There are people who are sponsored over. There are people who walked over to Cambodia before they left for boat. So there's so many different kinds of journeys that we wanted to show that and, and highlight that. And not only that, but when they came to the U.S., what kind of occupations they had, what kind of um, road. That it was rarely a linear road that they came from Vietnam to the U.S. And they generally were dispersed in different states and different Country, you know, counties, and then they some a lot of them gravitated towards Orange County, and so we wanted to show that journey. Indeed, indeed. Well, the uh, the event that is Saturday convened both the storyteller and those I would say that were going to keep withholding their stories uh, with the uh, the proviso that they considered their story more grim. It was untellable. Uh, so. I'd like for you to talk, both of you to talk to us about uh, the trial that every contributor goes through. I don't know if you, if it's palpable to you. It must, I think it must be, uh, as I know both, especially Linda, to be, uh, you know, a, a, a deeper, prof more profound, sensitive thinker here. Is Tell us about the process of bringing that story out. <laughs> So I just want to say that um, this exhibition comes from the uh, Vietnamese American Oral History Project, which was started in 2011 at UCI. And 
We didn't know when we first started if individuals in our community would be willing to record their stories because we were going to digitize them from the very beginning. That was our objective. We wanted to put them online and make them free and accessible to the public and to the world. And we told people that at the very beginning. And I wasn't sure if people would actually be willing to participate in these stories, knowing that um, they would go live and online. Right. We're amazed. We have over 300 oral histories. Um, about 155 or so are digitized online. You can um, hear them. Some of them are videotaped. Um, we have transcriptions if they're in English and then translated if they're in Vietnamese. Um, and there are photographs and documents that accompany these um, oral histories as well. So um, it's been amazing. I think we're at a moment in our community that we know the first generation is passing away. When they pass away, their stories will disappear. That whole generations of stories will disappear because no one's recorded them. We really don't know much about what Jam is referring to is the immense diversity of stories. Um, and so that was our sense of urgency, that we wanted to record these stories, preserve their histories, and then record them for future generations of researchers, of students, um, teachers as well. Um, and we were amazed how many people um, have been willing to do so. And as a result of this, more and more people are willing to share their stories. And they know that um, they're part of a larger legacy. Uh, generally, I, w I am very surprised what people are willing to say publicly, uh, you know, to be recorded. What's one example? Um, Let's say a, a, an excerpt that, that just floored you. You heard it. Uh, even something that may not be necessarily traumatic in the journey, but coming to the U.S. and having to deal with generational differences and the parent publicly saying how disappointed they are in their child, even though their child is a doctor, but the, the child decided after they did this degree for their parents, they wanted to go into business, say, or do something else or do the arts. And the parent would say, I am so, you know, I'm so disappointed with my child. I'm very unhappy. And we haven't talked for years. You know, things like that, that you would think are, you know, family secrets or just darker parts of the family. And they would say it. And I'm thinking if the child heard this, would they probably know already yeah, because they probably had these discussions in the house. But to, to be able to, to verbalize that. Now, part of getting the story is also probing in some ways. But is that was that your role as the in the the story taker to to probe so why were they so disappointed is that is an md the terminal professional for the professional credential for uh, this culture or what 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 was your role how far could you go with I always, I always see my, my role, and I always tell the students whom I train in my class that their role is a facilitator. We are not investigative reporters. So there is a certain amount of guiding um, and maybe probing if you s can see that they're on the brink of wanting to say something. But if it's very obvious and very clear somehow in their body language or in their speech pattern that they're not comfortable about a certain topic, I tell the students to move on. And I usually move on because it's about we're facilitating their storytelling this is their opportunity to be part of the history and it's not my job to make sure I get all the dark or whatever details that they don't want to, to say so on that note um, so something like let's say they say I'm disappointed I would ask further they very opened that door what do they say I would say well why are you disappointed and they said because I worked so hard and I sacrificed so much for that person for my daughter or my son to become a doctor and and they just they're wasting it now because in the Vietnamese American community there is a, a, 
kind of、uh, expectation. They think that is the ultimate profession because it it it's apparent、uh, appears to be very safe, very stable. You know, doctors, engineers,、uh, lawyers, those kinds of professions are understandable and relatable. Whereas artists or you know something else are just more.、Um, Volatile, and you know what are you going to do with that? And, and so, as a parent, I can imagine they just don't want to see their child、um, not be successful, say, or what happens to the child if they're not there. So, in these narratives, do you get the impression you're the first one, the first, the first not responder, the first listener? Do you get an idea that maybe they've been unraveling some of this narrative with family, or are, are you the first, and then maybe? The family gets to hear more after having they're participated with in this project. It depends on the story. There are some stories that、uh, this would be probably the first time they're saying it publicly,、um, and you can tell in the way that they're saying it. Sometimes the <gasps> child would come, or the children. I wouldn't even say child. Some of these offspring, their, their offsprings are thirty years old, and they would listen to it later and tell me. Or or have a discussion with their parents, and if they're in, happen to be in the room, and say, "Oh, I, I didn't, I never knew that. You know,、um, why didn't you tell me that?" Or just, you know, you, it's in their conversations afterwards. It's obvious that this is the first time. <laughs> I would just want to add that、uh, our objective, a lot of our history projects, interview leaders and elites in our community, and our objective was to、um, interview everyday Vietnamese. But it's amazing that、um, these everyday people really have extraordinary stories of survival,、um, uh, of how they got here. Just to ask them, you know, how did you get here? What did you do to survive during the war, after the war,、um, when when you first came to America? These are individuals with amazing stories. Many of them who don't want to be interviewed. Interviewed,、um, and just seeing other people's reactions, even the individuals themselves when they saw themselves in the exhibit, or they saw artifacts that they had donated or loaned to us in the exhibit,、um, they were very emotional. There are many people who are so touched that we value their stories, that we were telling them that this is an important part of American history, that we want to preserve it for their children and future generations. They were so touched that no one had asked them. You know that you to tell them that their histories are important,、um, and there are individuals now who are contacting contacting us and saying, "I would like to do an oral history.、Okay. I would like to donate an artifact." Well, that's one thing I wanted to ask in this process is that there there's an incredible lack of symmetry of experience when you're you're when、uh, somebody from a an, a comfortable upbringing asks. Somebody who's been through really dire situation, that it's it's about sort of earning the privilege of hearing that in some way. Does that does that ever enter into the the process that you you notice? Is there a way to sort of deal with that? Because I think you know we've we've heard from people in the military, and I mean this, it's, it's got to be the same thing with with the Vietnamese Americans、uh, with whom you're speaking. That it's sort of like the only the military can understand what the military went through.、Mm-hmm. That's the symmetry I'm talking about. So, uh, uh, what do you have to say about、uh, a casual listener hearing、um, hearing a story which that's so dire and so delicate?、Mm-hmm. I think that we have to remember with the Vietnamese American community that.、Um, In our homeland,、uh, the Civil War was fought in our homeland. So oftentimes we just highlight veterans,、um, and their role is extremely important. Their stories are extremely important, and we're collecting those stories of what happened to them during the war. And then many of them were imprisoned 
um, in the re-education camps in Vietnam after the war. Um, and their families face incredible challenges as well. But we wanted to know, um, you know, what did other people do to survive? The casual civilians whose villages were bombed, how did they survive? What did they do? Um, the individuals, the wives, the daughters, the sons, the children that were left, you know, be, um, behind, what did they do to survive? How did they get here? So I think that's, you know, re- reinforcing what Chum said, that there's such incredible diversity within a community. And I think that's what resonates, uh, our exhibition resonates with the community, um, is that we want to tell um, the stories of all of Vietnamese Americans and the diversity of their experiences. There are adoptees. Um, that are part of our community. They're mixed-race Amerasians or Asian-Americans who are part of our community. Um, And those are the stories we wanted to tell as well. And it's interesting, Claudia, that you framed it as um, earning this right to hear or whatnot. But uh, as I teach my class, too, that is very true, that after I've given them the foundation of the Vietnamese-American history, history of the war, why came got to be that way why Vietnamese Americans are even in the US and they go home and they speak to their parents finally their parents feel as if they can tell their stories to this to their son or daughter because now they they feel as if they believe that the the that student will understand the context of which why they left a, a student of mine told me that that before that his father never ever told him the story but as soon as he came home and started sharing about what he was learning in class one day during dinner the father put down his chopsticks and said, okay, I will tell you my story now. You know, so he, he felt that the, the father believed, okay, I, I now can trust you with this and you won't just misunderstand or whatever it is. And unfortunately, and as um, Linda had uh, alluded to, there are a lot of people who feel they don't, they, their stories aren't worth anything, uh, particularly women, uh, unfortunately. They, feel, they always say to me things like, well, I wasn't a general. I didn't do anything important. Why, who would want to hear my story? And I said, you took care of the family while your husband, the general, went out to fight. You know, you held the fort down. Your story is extremely important. Please tell me. And it takes a while, actually, to convince a lot of women to tell me. And I do have to earn it by by showing them that I that we care as, you know, VAOHP. And also, I believe this exhibition proved that so many people were just amazed that their story was important enough to put up in an exhibition to be displayed and also that truly we care because why would we feature these stories if we didn't care about it? For those of you who've just joined us, my guests are Dr. Linda Vo and Ms. Tromley, co-curators of the recently opened exhibition, Vietnam Focus, Generations of Stories. Th- you're tuned to Ask a Leader on 88.9 FM here on KUCI in Irvine and we are talking about the, you got the acronym, it's the Vietnamese American Oral History Project. We're talking about the exhibition that will run until the end of February next year. Let's take a sort of auditory stroll through the exhibit. You have panels, I mentioned a little bit earlier, of very divergent profiles of individuals. You have Trinh Mai's reflective art installations, things that we carried and all the special ideas that you pulled together. Let's let's uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you came uh, what Trin Mai's vision was and she had some very uh, I want to say very 
I guess, uh, it illustrates some very interesting points graphically, uh, artistically, for the visitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chun Mai is just an amazing artist. She uh, contributed some of the previous artwork that she had already done. She's an artist that focuses on stories and her family's stories, and this gave her a chance to think about her family story in context of the larger Vietnamese-American stories. Um, and what she did was take some of the issues that are very, very painful within our community and very hard to discuss because they're very traumatic. There's a violence involved. She has a piece in the center of the room that's called Quiet, and it is in honor of the individuals who were lost during the boat people a refugee escape. They were lost at sea. Some of the girls particularly were kidnapped and raped. Um, it's a very painful um, a story about the stories of survival. So their surviving fa- family members came here, and uh, we're trying to find them. Um, and they, we have a collection of documents uh, in the Orange County and Southeast Asian Archives Center, which at UCI, that collects materials on Southeast Asian Americans. And there's a collection of letters there from surviving family members tr- uh, writing to nonprofit agencies, photographs trying to find their children, their daughters, their lost loved ones. So she was inspired by that collection there and created that piece of art, which is uh, many other pieces of art that are integrated into the exhibit. So when you come, you can see that there's the 11 panels that focus on the history. There are 12 panels and portraits that focus on oral histories, and then the artwork is integrated, and hopefully seamlessly so, um, in there. And so that's what we wanted. There were issues that we just could not say, articulate historically in words, that it's visually more impactful and powerful, we think, through art. And, and she created all of these art pieces of art in the last four to six months, really. She also has some uh, created some in- interactive installations for us, which you had mentioned, the things we carried, which are suitcases. And, and the final one is a smaller suitcase with eight blocks in them uh, with different the different sides of these blocks have different images of either clothing, food, medicine, money, gold, different things, herbs, uh, journals. And it asks the guests, what would you take along with you if you had to leave today? You were only given a moment's notice and you have to pack and it could only fit in this tiny suitcase. What would you take along? Yes, and a s- supervisor, Doe, who was the, uh, one of the dignitaries Saturday, was explaining they had probably two Pan Am bags for the whole family to one, pack every, actually. or one Pan Am bag, or what, uh, and then that they had an hour to think about that, and of course the dad said, well, we'll, not of course, but the dad, dad would make the decision, but the, there were two dictionaries that the whole family made out. That wasn't even an option in that thing. But I, I want for everybody to know the show, the dates, it started last week, it goes to the end of February, and it's a daytime, it's a weekday exhibition for the most part. That's because it's a park district facility. Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30. And then I'm going to say all the Saturdays that are special days, uh, September 19, October 17, November 14, December 19, and January 23rd. They'll all be up in the podcast summary. And for information? Yeah. Can I just say that? Oh, absolutely. We do have a website, Vietnamese Focus. You can find us um, on there on the Vietnamese American Oral History Project. Um, The exhibition is free um, to the general public, and so you're welcome. It's 8.30 to 4.30 Monday through Friday, and then those special Saturdays as well. If you would like a tour for your group or your organization or for your students, um, we'd be happy to arrange that with the co-curators, myself, and also the artist, Trinh Mai. And so there are many cultural products that are spinning off of this. I'll be covering in the future Viet Gan 
is going to be a play produced at South Coast Repertory. Details we're saving for later, but so that you know how dynamic and the feet that are walking away from this particular exhibit. It is such a pleasure, and I want to thank Dr. Linda Trinvo and Trom Lay for coming on Ask a Leader today. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, that is the wrap of the show today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>